Destiny City, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. Praise God. I'm so excited this morning. God is just up to something that's so far beyond anything we can even imagine. I, I like what it says in, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I believe it's in verse 8. It says, For I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man that the things that God has prepared for those who love him. But he has revealed it to us by his spirit. And I thank God for the revelation of his spirit. You know, when God reveals something to us, we hear things sometimes and we don't hear. That's why Jesus said, he that has ears to hear, let him hear what the spirit is saying to the churches. Because so often we hear it, but we don't hear it. You know what I'm talking about? God is speaking, and unless we're listening, we don't hear. It's like Elijah when he was up on the mountain in, um, in 1 Kings, uh, I believe in chapter 19, after he had had several great victories and stuff, but he's hiding away in a cave, and, and he's wanting to hear the voice of God and then there's this, this great earthquake and rocks falling and everything else, and God's not in it. And then there's this gigantic wind. Stuff is happening. You know, a lot of times we, we see winds, and, and we want to get involved because we think something is happening there, but God's not really in it. You know, I've seen, I've seen pseudo-revivals take place. You know what I'm talking about? Where there's a lot of hype and there's a lot of things going on, but God really isn't in it. He'd like to be in it. People are hungry for something to happen, but it's not happening, and we're trying to make it happen. You know what I'm saying? But there's a difference. When God does something, you know it's God. And so Elijah's listening for the voice of the Lord, and then there's a fire. And God's not in that either. You know, sometimes we're looking for the fire. How many have ever prayed for the fire of God to fall on you? Well, you got to be careful. You know what fire does? It burns and it purifies. And sometimes we need to pray for the fire of God in our lives because there are some things in our lives that need to be burned out. And we need to pray that way and ask God for the fire. But listen, if you're just wanting something hype to happen, you don't want to pray for the fire because you might not like what happens. It'll, it'll burn you. It burns things out and it's good and we, we need the fire of God in our lives. But Elijah was praying and he's asking God to speak and then things get real quiet. And guess what? God begins to speak. God begins to speak. The most difficult thing for a child of God to do is just get quiet before God. And listen. Listen to him. It's much easier to talk than it is to listen. That's why prayer, prayer is sometimes more difficult when we're not saying anything. And we're just listening and waiting on God. Because the enemy will try to assault your thinking, try to assault your mind with all kinds of junk. If you don't believe me, try it. I dare you to get along with God. You know, one thing I did one time, I, I've done this several times, is crawl into my closet and turn the lights off. Jesus said, when you pray, go into your closet and pray. And, and you know, the Lord, when you pray in secret, the Lord will reward you openly. And I did that. I went in the closet, turned the lights off, and got quiet. You know what happened? You know, you need to be doing bills. 
You got bills to pay. You know, there's some, th- you know, there's some people you need to go visit. You, you got some work to do. Your yard is really getting full of leaves. You need to get out there and work on your yard. It's not fair for you to be in this closet and your wife's out there vacuuming. You know, you, you need to get up from here. And you have all these things assailing your mind. And you just have to empty it out. But when you finally just say, no, 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 and it's okay. I want you all to realize that no is a spiritual word. The Holy Spirit speaks sometimes and he just says, no. And we need to learn to say that too because sometimes we want to be spiritual and we want to do spiritual things. And and most of all, we want everybody to think we're spiritual. So we get caught up in all these spiritual activities and we're missing God by a mile. Because God hasn't called us to do that. He's called us to be still and know that I am God. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles and fly. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. And it's so difficult for us to do that because we're not programmed that way, are we? We want something else. You know, I've been amazed at teenagers. You go to the public library and you see teenagers sitting around with earphones on studying. I could never do that. My wife will tell you, when I study, I like it to be quiet. I mean, I don't even like to hear a dog chewing on anything. Just get quiet. I want it absolutely, totally quiet so I can hear. I can hear the Lord. Get quiet. Quiet your soul. That has nothing to do with my message this morning, but I don't know why. This Lord wanted me to tell you that. But what I'm saying is God is speaking. Are we listening? Are we hearing what the Lord is saying? God is doing something in these last days. Listen to me, folks. Everybody say, last days. You know what last days mean? It means it's the last days. It means it's the end of all things. It's it's quickly approaching. And and, and, and it's speeding up, just like Jesus said, that the days would be shortened for the sake of the elect. Have Have you noticed it seems like the clock is ticking faster? It really is and just seems that way because there's so much happening in these last days. And, and Kevin and I were talking about it before service, you know, years ago when we would study Revelation and stuff and we were looking at, at scriptures in the book of Daniel and Ezekiel and Revelation and Zephaniah and all these end-time prophecies and stuff and you're looking at it, you see things from a totally different perspective now than what you did then because now we're in it. And then we were looking at it from a different viewpoint. But we are in the last days. I want you to get a hold of that and understand that things are not going to, it's not going to become easier for you to stand as a child of God. You're going to need more than just a, 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 a sermonette each week that will make you a Christianette. You're going to need the meat of God's word to stand in these last days because God is doing something incredible in these last days. And if you're not careful, you'll miss it. You'll miss it. We've got to listen and hone in and tune in to what God is saying, to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. I want to talk to you this morning about the anointing of God. When we think about the anointing of God, you know, sometimes when we hear somebody, they get loud and and they spit and, and, and they run and they jump and they get real excited and everything. You know, we leave the service and say, oh, man, he was so anointed. 
He was just excited. And what did he say? Well, I don't know, but he sure was anointed. That has nothing to do with the anointing. Though the anointing will excite you. I promise you that. I get excited when I think about what God is doing. But in the book of Isaiah, God is speaking through the prophet Isaiah to the nation of Israel. And he's telling them that Assyria, the Assyrian king, is going to come against them. He's going to hold them in bondage. And he did, man. I mean, it was horrible. But he wasn't the one that was literally going to take them out from where they were and carry them away captive. That was the Babylonians. You see, there's always another, another minion that the enemy will use to try to come against you. But in the case of the Assyrian king, Isaiah is prophesying, and he's saying that he is going to try to hold you in captivity. He's going to try to come against you, but God is going to do something. And, and in verse 27, and it says that it shall come to pass in that day that his burden shall be taken off from thy shoulder and his yoke off thy neck, and the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. You see, it's the anointing that breaks the yoke. It's the anointing of God that breaks things off of people. And you and I have the anointing. Now, the anointing, the word anointing is the word shaman. Shaman. And it, it literally means this. It means ointment, fatness, richness, fertility, strength. That's what anointing means. Now, when we think of it in human terms, what is the strength of a man? It's his offspring. The strength in his loins is his offspring. So when we think of sh- shaman, you can literally almost put it in the terms of semen. And when we think of the anointing of God, the shaman Yah, the shaman Yah, which is anointing of God, Yah being God, we think of the strength of the fatness, the, the, the vitality of God that breaks the yoke off of us, destroys the yoke of, of, of bondage and brings deliverance. It's the anointing. Now, Jesus, in, the, in Isaiah 61, Isaiah sees this going forward. Isaiah says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed, and that word anointed there is another word. It is the word moshach. It means to rub with oil or to consecrate, to, to commission or set apart for a special purpose. So Jesus was shocked for the reasons that he spells out in Isaiah 61. And then when he came back from the wilderness temptation where the enemy was tempting him and he, and he withstood the temptations of the enemy, and he says he came back in the power of the Spirit and he went into the temple and he enrolled the scroll in the temple and he began to say this. The Spirit of the Lord, of, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted, to bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to prisoners, proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the day of the vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn in Zion, giving them a garland of, instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of the spirit of fainting. That's what Jesus came to do, and that's what the anointing that was upon him, that was his commission. Not only was it his commission, the Moshach, it was his shaman. It was the fatness, the richness, the strength of God upon him to carry out the mission that God had given him to do. 
Now, you and I have an anointing of God upon our life as believers. He has anointed you for the same purpose, and he has given you the ability to do it through the power of the Holy Spirit, the oil of God. How many know that the Spirit of God is most often characterized as oil? The oil. And we are anointed by God to do the works that Jesus did, to do what he was commissioned to do, to bind up the brokenhearted, to deliver the captives, to set prisoners free. That's what God has given us. He's given us a yoke-destroying anointing to help people, to minister to them. It's all about people. All about people. That's who Jesus died for. That was his, that was his moth shock. It was what he was sent here to do. That was his destiny. As believers, you and I have the same destiny. He said in Acts chapter 10, Peter had had a vision from God. Remember, he was in Jerusalem, and he had gone up on the rooftop to wait, to wait for the ladies to get the vittles fixed. It was getting close to lunchtime, so he went up on the rooftop to pray. And like a lot of us, when he went to pray and he got quiet before the Lord, the spirit of sleep came upon him. It says he fell into a trance. I think that was the interpreter's kind way of saying he fell asleep. And as he was in that state of, how many have ever been there? You know, you're kind of in that state of in-between. You're not fully asleep, but you're not fully awake. You're just kind of in that zone. And I believe that's what Peter was. And in this zone, he has the vision of a sheep being lowered down from heaven with all kinds of unclean animals on it. It was lowered down by four corners, and, and it had all these animals on it. And, and the Spirit of the Lord said to Peter, Peter, arise, kill and eat. And Peter said, not so, Lord, because they were all kind of unclean animals, you know, stuff they weren't supposed to eat, stuff that chewed the cud but didn't have the cloven hooves and all kinds of stuff, maybe some horse meat and some pig and some rabbit and stuff like that that weren't supposed to eat in those days. You know, it wasn't kosher. And he was seeing all these things. And, and, and so Peter said, not so, Lord. And then again, he saw the same vision again. It came down again, and he saw it again. The Lord says, kill and eat. no. But then, as Peter's having his vision, there's a man by the name of Cornelius who was a centurion, a Roman centurion, who was a good man, gave alms to the, to the poor and helped the people of Israel and helped support the synagogue and these kind of things. And, and, and he has been seeking the Lord for salvation. He, did, he, wanted, he was a Gentile. He wanted to be saved. He wanted to experience what the, what the Jewish people are experiencing, but he was shut out because he was of the wrong persuasion. And so... He's praying, and and God says to him, I want you to send some men to Jerusalem, and when you get there, there's a man by the name of Peter, and he's at a certain certain place, and I want you to go to him and bring him back. He's got a message for you. So as Peter's having this visitation from the Lord, the Lord began to give him a revelation that some men were going to be coming. And as he's up on the roof, these men came. There were three of them came to him, and and they were looking for Peter. And and, and when he saw them immediately, he knew the purpose of the visitation. He knew what they were there for. He understood what was happening with the sheep. So Peter goes with them 
as the Spirit of the Lord had told him to do, goes to the house of Cornelius, and when he gets there, he begins to unveil to, to Cornelius what's going on about Jesus. He begins to testify about the Lord and how that God had, 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 had rebuked him for calling those things unclean, which he had deemed to be clean by his Spirit, which was the Gentiles, which is you and me, by the way. Thank you, Lord. And, and so he, he's speaking to, to Cornelius, and, and he begins to talk a little bit about Jesus. He says, surely you have heard, because this thing wasn't done in a corner, surely you have heard about Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed, in verse 38 of chapter 10 of the book of Acts, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Now, that just stands out to me because you and I have the same anointing that Peter did, that Jesus did. So what was Jesus anointed for? To go about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Now, I want you to understand something, folks. Sickness is not from God. Get that out of your mind. Sickness is not of God. If you ever think that it is, you think, well, the Lord put this on me because, well, have you become proud? Have you become arrogant in your spirit? Have you seen revelations of God that you need to be humbled? I doubt it. Have you been taken into the third heavens? Have you stood before the throne of the Lord? Have you heard revelations from God where you need to have a thorn in the flesh? I don't think so. You know, Paul said he did, and he prayed that the Lord would remove it. If it and, and the Lord says, says, you know, after he prayed for three times, and he said it still wasn't removed, the Lord said to him, he says, my grace is sufficient, and my strength is made perfect in your weakness. And he understood the reason why he was having a thorn in the flesh, and the thorn in the flesh wasn't sickness. You know what it was? It was a spirit that was sent to buffet him, a harassing spirit. It wasn't that he was sick. He just had this... Spiritual nap. That was my mama came in all the time, you know. And, and, and we all have those, those things that, that come against us. But the anointing breaks the yoke. Now, Jesus said this. <laughs> John 14. John 14, 12, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me. Now, how many believers do we have here today? How many believe in Jesus? You believe in Jesus with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. You know him to be the Lord and everything else. He that believes in me, the works that I do shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he also do because I go to the Father. Wow. And whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will ask you the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. That is, what is it? The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it does not behold him or know him, but you know him because he abides with you and he shall be in you. We have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. We have the, we have the Shaman Yah, the seed of God inside of us. When you are born again, everybody say born again. That means you're born twice. 
you know. You were born of the Spirit. That means that the seed, the shaman, or the semen of God abides in you. Not only is he in you, he is with you, and he gives you the ability, the energy, the ergon to do the things that God has called you to do. He didn't tell us to go out and do these things without having any strength, without having any, any, any energy. He gave us the ability to do it. Now, what is that ability? Come on, y'all. What is the ability of God? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, Acts 1.8. When Jesus is getting ready to ascend to the Father, after he had risen from the dead, he was with his disciples for about 50-some days. And then he was getting ready to ascend to the Father. And he was, you know, he was witnessed by over 500 people as he ascended to the Father. And all of them heard him say the same thing. There was a voice. It was Jesus speaking from the cloud as he is ascending. And he says to this, this to them. He says, and you shall receive power. That word power is the word dunamis which means dynamic power or anointing or ability that God has given us, and you shall be witnesses unto me. Now, he gave us the ability through his spirit to be his witnesses, and that word witnesses is a strong word, folks. It doesn't just mean that he was going to give us the ability to go out and put out tracts. That word witnesses is the word martis. He's going to give us the ability to be witnesses even unto death. Even if we have to lay down our lives, he gives us the ability to do it. That, that's incredible. You know, Jesus said to his disciples, don't you worry when they get, to get you and put you into prison and, and they bring you before rulers and, and, and don't you worry about what you're going to say. Don't you worry about what you're going to do because the Holy Spirit will give you the words that you need at the time that you need them. And we see that borne out with the apostles. We see that when they were taken before the Sanhedrin and they had to say anything, that the Holy Spirit spoke through them and gave them the ability to say what needed to be said at the right time, at the right moment. As we are led by the Spirit of God, as the anointing of God comes upon us, we can do the things that God has called us to do. You know, it's not that we have to prep ourselves for these things. It's just that we need to get filled with the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, it says, Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess. In other words, don't fill yourself up on the wine of this world, things of this world. But be filled with the Spirit. And it's a continuum. It says, it literally means be being filled with the Spirit. Being filled with the Spirit all the time. We continually walk. I mean, some of us have, have drained out a long time ago. We need to be filled again, and we begin to fill our lives with all kinds of stuff that really doesn't belong there as a person of God. We need to get rid of it. We need to clean the temple. We need to fill it up with the Spirit of God again. We need to invite Him in all over again. We need to be filled with the Spirit of the Lord, with the anointing of God, so that we can do what God has called us to do. Sometimes, you know, I heard a preacher say one time that, that, that we want to lay hands on the sick. We want to see Him do all these things, but we don't prepare our hearts for it. We don't get filled with the Spirit so that we don't even have enough power to stir the dander on a goose's nose. 
we're powerless. There's no real anointing. And everything we try to do, we try to do it in the flesh. In our churches, we have replaced in our churches, we have tried to manufacture an atmosphere to help people with worship. I want to tell you something, folks. I've been in some places where it was so cold that, you know, you you felt like you were freezing to death when you came in, but when you went out, you were almost ringing with sweat because of the anointing of God. When Becky and I were in Russia, we were in a place called Nizhny Vartosk. That even sounds cold, don't it? It was up in Siberia. Everybody say Siberia. That's where we were. And it was not in just lower Siberia. It was in upper Siberia. We were only about 50 miles away from the North Pole. I've never seen the North Pole. I'd like to see it. I could hear the elves working. It was cold up there. I mean, it was it was cold. Make no doubt about it. And we were at a church up there that was it was it was built in a city of about three hundred fifty thousand people that sprung up out of nowhere because of the oil fields and they had they had found oil in the region. So all of these oil companies had moved in and they're all pumping oil and everything and they built these cities just I mean it looked like these giant apartment complexes. I mean just I don't know, you know, concrete walls, concrete floors, concrete beds, concrete, everything. It was. I'm not lying. Everything was concrete, except for the doors. They were steel. Concrete and steel. <laughs> and the church, though, that we went to, Pastor Vasili pastored a church there. Pastor Vasili is a, a true apostle. This young man was 36 years old, and he had helped establish and was apostle over 57 churches. He had such a heart for the people of the northern regions. When you talk about the uttermost parts of the earth, I mean, this is the uttermost parts of the earth. Nobody wants to go to Siberia. But he's there ministering the gospel, and he's got this great church. And when Becky and I went there, we, the night before, we had been in a place called Sergut, and we ministered in Sergut, and we drove most of the night through a blizzard, I mean, literally. It was a blizzard that we rode in. It was snowing so hard that the windshield wipers on the car would do like that and it would be white. And just a momentary little glimpse, that the, and the driver's driving about 70 miles an hour. <laughs> Becky and I are praying in the Holy Ghost. So by the time we got there, we were totally prayed up. And so when we got to Nizhny Vartosk, and we spent the night in this little apartment they had on the church. So the next morning, uh, we get up, and, and uh, it was just a wonderful experience. I won't go into all the details, but at about one point, just, you know, about maybe 45 minutes or an hour before the service, I always like to go into the sanctuary. I just like to go in there and spend some time praying and just seek the Lord. And, and, and so I asked uh, the, the associate pastor that had been assigned to us, Andreas. Andreas was the coolest guy, man. Man, a few words. One coffee. Come, we go now. And this kind of thing, you know. Want me beat you? That's another story. But anyway, we're, we're sitting in the pastor's office, and us, Andreas, 
I said, where is the sanctuary? Pastor, he wants you to stay here. I said, no, I want to go to the sanctuary. I want to spend some time praying. Okay, come. So we get up and we go down this hallway. We go down the stairwell. And as we're getting to the bottom of the stairwell, I hear this noise. And I'm not kidding you. We've been to Niagara Falls, and it sounded kind of like Niagara Falls. And I'm like, what is that noise? And we go to the bottom of the stairs in this, this large open area about twice the size of this sanctuary here. That They had tables and things set up. And, and, and literally, it's like a Christian bookstore in there for the, for the people of Russia. I mean, this is where they kind of help the saints. And so as we get closer to the door, though, of the sanctuary, the noise gets louder. And when I open the door of the sanctuary, it's about it's over an hour away from service time. And the sanctuary is packed with people. And they're just crying out to God. Just so hungry for God to move. There's a desperation for God. They want the anointing of God. They want, they want God. And, and I walk into that atmosphere, and I'm not kidding you. It's like a thirsty man that needed a good bath walking right into the middle of this beautiful, clean river. And I just got caught up in it. And when it came time for the service, the worship team's up there and, you know, nobody was at the coffee machine or nothing. When it's time for service, everybody's ready. Nobody had to pump or prime anybody to enter into worship. It was like, boom, we're off and running, you know. And the worship was so awesome. And then when it came time to preach, the anointing of God was so strong. I mean, I could have taken, a, a, I could have taken a, a, a Belks flyer up there and preached out of it. And, and, and the anointing of God was so strong, people would have gotten saved. I mean, awesome things would have happened. I could have talked about the sales that were going on. It was just the anointing of God, the atmosphere, and the power of God ready to be manifest. And, and, and I preached that morning, and I'm not kidding you, I had a 26-year-old translator, this young lady that had spent some time in Boston was translating for me. And the anointing on her was as strong as the anointing was on me, and she followed me around. And it's, like, it's just like she knew every time I did this, she did that. Whatever I did, she did. And the anointing of God was just so strong. And I preached that morning. And, and, and nobody left. I think some more people came in. It was just awesome. These people had such bladder control. Nobody went to the bathroom. It was awesome. And, and I preached that morning. It was such a liberty. And then when I gave the altar call, I thought, you know, maybe I'll be happy if four or five people give their lives to the Lord. And so I said, if you need anything from God this morning, I want you to come. And they started coming. Three and a half hours later, my wife and I are still praying for people. And I thought she was like, I mean, she was like the Apostle Pauline. <laughs> I mean, this is like everybody she looked at. They just, Pow! and they're just laying out like cordwood all over the floors and everything. And, and, and we ministered for three and a half hours. And when we got, I mean, as, as long as we were ministering on the anointing, the power of God was so strong I just felt like a man that was just on fire. I mean, just felt like Hercules or something. And the moment the anointing lifted, somebody just about had to carry me out. 
I went back to the room. I slept all afternoon. I was so exhausted because once the anointed had lifted, my flesh was just worn out. I know what Jesus had to get away. And it says that Jesus would go away to a lonely place and he would pray. Sometimes he'd pray all night. You know, a lot of us get this picture of Jesus being on his knees, just crying. I believe a lot of times it's just Jesus just just laying down on a rock and going, Restore me, God. Touch me. Lord, get me ready for the next wave. I believe that was Jesus a lot. Just waiting on God to touch him. The power and the anointing of God that he needed for God to, to do the things that he wanted to do through him. You see, he had both. He had the Shemanyah. He had the Moshak. He had, the, he had the, the, the strength of God and he had the call of God. You and I have the same thing. We have the call of God as believers. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, they shall cast out devils. Are you a believer? Have you cast out any devils lately? The problem with the church today is a lot of believers need some devils cast out of them. We've tried to, tried to manufacture things and tried to flow in the flesh so much. And we think that we can do it with slick presentations. And if we get just the right atmosphere... If we can get the lights just right and we can get the music just, just honed in just perfect and we can get everything balanced out just aesthetically pleasing and everything else, then we can manufacture a move of God. It ain't going to happen. We need God. Pure and simple. We need the anointing of God to flow in us individually. We need each one of us need to be filled with the Spirit of God. That's what we need if we're going to do what God has called us to do. God has shown us. God has told us. We have have received prophetic utterance that coming up very shortly in this church, God is going to do something that's going to be like a tidal wave in this community. And God wants us to be ready. He wants us to prepare ourselves. And it's not getting the bills paid that's going to be the thing that we have to be concerned about. God will take care of that. It's getting ourselves ready, getting our hearts ready, being filled with the Spirit of God, seeking God with all of our hearts with a passion until God can move, until we don't have to wait for a move of God. We are the move of God. I can go to other countries, and God moves in such a powerful way. But I think there's an understanding there because, because there's, there's a desperation for the things of God that we don't seem to have because we have everything else. We're such a blessed people. And, you know, it, it kind of excites me that some of the things that we have depended on so long are kind of being taken away from us because it makes us more dependent on God. It makes us hungry. It makes us want him. I want more of what God has for me and less of what this world has. This week, Dr. Billy Graham turns 96 years old. You know what his most, you know what he wants for Christmas? He wants to be in heaven. I mean, 96 years old, 
He's lived a, a, a great life, and I don't know of anybody else that has, has walked with more integrity than I know of in these days and been scrutinized as much as he has and yet has the integrity that he does. And, and you know, he's just excited about heaven. He's like, all oh, this stuff here, I love my family, I love everything else, but I just want to go home. I'm tired. I'm ready. And he's just ready for heaven. He's done his work. God has used that man. But God has something for each one of us to do. You know, when I get to be 96 years old, if the Lord should let me tarry that long, you know, I'm kind of hoping he doesn't. But if he chooses to, that's up to him. I've already said I'm going to live till I die. But in order for me to live, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So if I die to myself and let him live in me, I'm really living. Otherwise, I'm not. I'm just a walking dead man. I need the anointing of God more than anything else. People ask me all the time, Pastor, what do you need? I just need you to pray for me. I need God's strength. I need God's anointing. I need those to be my armor bearers, to stand behind me, because I want you to understand something. It's not so much what happens in this world with flesh and blood that really is the thing that I have to be concerned about and you have to be concerned about, because the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10 that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of darkness and spiritual rulers in high places. Those are the things that you and I have to be concerned about. It's not the things we see with our eyes. It's the things that we don't see that need to concern us the most. Because those are the things that are undermining. Those are the things that are weakening us. Those are the things that are sapping our strength. Those are the things that are destroying us as a body of believers. But we have to understand that we've got to put on the whole armor of God and that we've got to stand. We've got to stand in faith and believe God and put on the clothing that God gives us to put the anointing in our hearts and to put on the, the, the garments of that he has given us to stand against the wiles of the devil. And what are they? It's the, blessed, the breastplate of righteousness. What makes us righteous? Not ourselves. Not any works that we've done. We are righteous only through the blood of Jesus and what God has done for us. That is our righteousness. To understand that my righteousness is not something that I can create inside of me. It's something that Jesus has done for me. I'm righteous. I have the breastplate of righteousness. So when the enemy comes and he's trying to poke me in the chest with lies, I can do what the Bible says. And I'll get to that one in a minute. But I got something else. I got the helmet of salvation. I know who I am. I know who I am. I got the helmet of salvation. So when the enemy tries to bombard my mind with thoughts, I know who I am. 1 John 1, 7. If you walk in the light as he is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us of all sins. So when the enemy is trying to come against us and tell us lies, you just got to tell him, hey, you got no place in me, big boy. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's son, has cleansed me of all sin. <laughs> but you don't know who you are. You're a sinner. Well, if I say I wasn't, I would be denying the truth. But here's the thing. If I confess my sin, if I agree with God concerning my sin, then the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses me. He forgives me all of my sin and cleanses me of all unrighteousness. So therefore, I have the helmet of salvation. And you know what else I have? 
I have my loins girt about with truth. Now, that's the thing that's so important for all of us. What are the loins? You know, that is the reproductive part of the human body. It's also the reproductive part of the, of the Christian believer. Having our loins girt about with truth. We are truth purveyors. We speak the truth in love. We admonish with truth. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Do you know the truth? Do you really know the truth? Well, then listen to the truth. Don't listen to the lies of the devil. Gird your loins about with truth. Now, what else have I got? I've got the shield of the Spirit. i got the shield of faith. So, when the enemy tries to come against me, I can stand firm. And what does the shield of faith do? It quenches all the fiery darts of the enemy. Yeah, here comes another one. It falls harmlessly to the ground. Here comes another one. Can't touch me. Can't touch this. And then the last vital one is I have the sword of the Spirit. What is the sword of the Spirit? It is the Word of God. When Jesus was being tempted, how was he being tempted? With twisted, contorted lies of the devil. The devil knows how to take the word of God and twist it. That's what he does. He's a pervert. You know what a pervert is? A pervert is one who twists. He twists the truth of God to to make it look palatable to us. And if we eat it, we've eaten the lies of the devil. But the sword of the spirit, if we stand true to God's word, we have the sword of the spirit with which... We can overcome. Thus says the Lord. You know, we got everything we need to take on the enemy. But the most important thing that we have is Christ in us. Colossians 1.27 says it is Christ in you that is the hope of glory. If we're ever going to bring glory to God, we're ever going to do anything for God, it's realizing who you are in him. That's the most important thing that you have in your arsenal is who you are. Who are you? Who are you? You're a child of God. As a believer, you are God's son. You belong to him. You are, you've been bought with a price. So therefore, glorify God in your bodies. I got to move along real quick. You know, as I was saying about being in other countries, the reason why I believe that I saw things happen there that I don't see here a lot is because of the desperation that people had, kind of like the woman with the issue of blood in Mark chapter 5, you know, where she wanted to be healed so bad, and she had exhausted herself. How many times do we exhaust ourselves trying to get something from God, trying to get something for ourselves? You know, she was sick in her body, and she had, she had a flow of blood that she couldn't get stopped. It just She kept hemorrhaging all those years for 12 years. She sought out doctors. She sought the best. She spent everything she had trying to get healed, and she never could get healed. And then Jesus. She heard about Jesus. She, she watched to see what happened with Jesus, and she saw, I'm sure, all the people that were brought to Jesus, and he had compassion on them, and he healed them all. And she thought, you know, I can't really get close to Jesus because I've got this flow of blood which makes me unclean. And if I'm unclean, I'm not supposed to touch anybody or let anybody touch me. But I got to risk it. 
I got to get close to Jesus. If I, I if I can just get close enough, just to reach out and 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 just maybe if I can just touch the edge of his clothes, then I know, I know that I'll be healed. So a desperation, she she finds out where Jesus is. She seizes it upon an opportunity and she squeezes her way through the crowd and she gets up to Jesus and she touches him. And Jesus is ministering to people in front of him. And immediately he stops and he turns to his disciples and says, who touched me? And one of his disciples says, who touched you? Can't you see we're being pressed on with this crowd, this throng of people, and you ask who touched me? He said, no, somebody made a withdrawal. Somebody drew upon the anointing. Somebody pulled something out of me. Somebody drew upon the power of God in me. And he turns around and he sees this woman. And he says, daughter, I know it was you. He says, but your faith has made you whole. Your faith has made you whole. Where is your faith this morning? What is it in? Do you want the anointing of God to flow in your life? If you do, the anointing is going to cause you to press in. It's going to cause you to leave everything else behind. It's going to cause you to go hard after God. It's going to cause you to pull on him and to pull something out of him. God is waiting on you, but you've got to be desperate enough to go after him. You want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Most of us want to be filled, but the the problem is we're too full of other stuff. We're too full of earthly caca that we're not willing to let go of. And we want to be filled with the Spirit of God, but the Bible says that his Spirit will not dwell in an unclean temple. The Bible says that his spirit, you know, it's, it's not like bitter water and dirty water that can go into the same place because if the bitter water goes to the clean water, what happens? The bitter water makes the clean water bitter. So his spirit will not dwell in an unclean temple. And the reason why we don't get What we're hungry for from God a lot of times is because we're more hungry for the other stuff than we are for what God has for us. We're not willing to leave the other stuff behind so that we can receive from God the anointing that he has for us. And God wants us to realize that, that, that he is working something out in us and he wants to. He wants to fill us up. It's his desire. That's why Jesus went to the Father. That's why he made promises to us. That's why he wants us to be filled. And the Bible tells us to be filled. But if we're not willing to lay some things down, we won't be filled. And we'll still be trying to serve God in our flesh. And it just don't work, Brian. It just don't work. It's not going to happen. We can't do the works of God in our flesh. It just won't happen. The sons of Sceva found that out. They got whooped up on pretty bad. And a lot of preachers are getting beat up pretty bad today because they've allowed themselves to get caught up in all of the stuff and they've lost their anointing. And they're still trying to continue to do what God had called them to do and they started out well, but somewhere along the way, they leaked out. They stopped praying. They stopped being, being filled, and they find themselves empty, and the words have no authority. They have no power. They have no anointing. Nobody's getting healed. Nobody's getting delivered. Old people are coming. 
He's making them feel good. He's tickling their ears and everything else. But nothing is happening. That's not what God wants. That's not what the anointing is about. The anointing is to change us. The anointing is to equip us. You see, my responsibility is to not just get you whole and make everybody feel good. My, my responsibility is to equip you to do the work of the ministry. And it's not just through teaching. It's through impartation. It's through impartation of the Spirit of God. And I'm here this morning to impart something to you to help you understand that, you know, I'm not, I'm not anything different than you are. It's just I have a different calling. Because God has not called every one of you to be pastors, but he's called you to function in the body of Christ. And there's not a one of you that is any less important to the body of Christ than I am or anybody else. You're just as important. Every one of us, we make up the body of Christ. Each member of the body of Christ is important. So each one of us need the vitality of the flow of the anointing of God in our lives for us to count for anything. Or else we just become a paralyzed limb. What good is an arm if it has no life in it? It can't do anything. It just kind of hangs around. And we got believers like that. You know, there's a nose over here that can't smell. There's an eye over here that's not seeing. And there's some ears over in the corner just not hearing. And there's some arms up front that need to hold up the pastor's hands and, and do the work of the ministry that just aren't functioning at all. They're just kind of scratching their eyebrows and stuff. And we're not here and we're not doing, not being what God has called us to be. We are two things when it comes to the anointing. The anointing of God, we are the shaman Yah, we are the life of God to a world that is dying that needs to have breath breathed into them. And you and I are the ones that have that breath. We need to be life givers. We need to be the ones that carry the breath of God to other people. And we need to be that wind of the Spirit that carries others along, that breathes life into, into unbelievers. We also need to be the ones who are healing the sick, laying hands on the sick and watching them recover. We need to be the ones who are standing up and saying, all right, devil, that's enough. Come out in the name of Jesus. I recognize your lies. I see who you are. Come out in the name of Jesus and setting people free. We need to be the ones. There's enough work for all of us to do. We all need the anointing. Amen? So God has given each one of us the shaman. He's given us the oil of the Spirit, but he's also given us the mashach. He has anointed each one of us. We have a specific responsibility in the body of Christ. But we can't do one without the other. It's the anointing. And it's the anointing that breaks the yoke. It's the anointing. God wants each of us to be filled. John said it like this. 1 John 2.20. And this is the Amplified. He says, you have been anointed by. You hold a sacred appointment. You have been given an unction. Now, what is an unction? An unction is the act of anointing as a rite of consecration or healing. You have been given an anointing from the Holy One. You've been given an unction from the Holy One. And you all know the truth 
Are you all, or you know all things? So, in other words, God has given us the light of what he wants us to do, but he's also given us the ability to do it. He's given us an unction of the Spirit. He said, come on now, let's get it done. That's the unction. He's trying to, he's trying to get us up off of our, off of our blessed assurance and, and get us doing something. And that's what the anointing is for. It's not just so you can get excited and feel good. You know, we all like to be in those anointing services, you know, and get drunk in the Holy Ghost and all that stuff and feel so good and all that stuff. And then the next day it's like, boom, we have all this, we come down off of this high. It's like, wow, what happened? It was so good last night. Listen, folks, I want to tell you something. I want to confess something to you. I used to live for those moments. I've been in Pentecostal churches all of my life. And I've been in some services sometimes when you just felt like Jesus himself was sitting right in the middle of it. He was. And there were times when people were, when God was just doing some amazing, incredible things. And you didn't ever want it to end. You did everything you could to try to keep it going. But two days later, you feel like you've been led by the Spirit out into the wilderness. And you're in the desert. And it's just as dry as a bone everywhere. You know what I'm talking about? There are those times of refreshing that God gives us through the Spirit. But we can't live our lives on those moments. Enjoy them. Experience them. But understand that we've got to walk in the Spirit. We've got to walk in the Spirit every moment of our lives. We've got to be in step with what God is doing every second. And you've got to be sober. You've got to be vigilant. You've got to understand that you have an enemy, a roaring lion, who goes around like a roaring lion. He's seeking to devour you. He's seeking to pull the rug out from under you any minute. And he would like nothing more than to make you fall. He would like nothing more than to discredit Jesus by your life. He would like nothing more. But we can't let it happen. We've got to walk in the unction and the power and the anointing of the Spirit of God. Oh, how we need him. I want you to stand to your feet today, and I, I, I just want to say something over you. I want to speak over you today. And I want, you to, I want to tell you that you have both an anointing and an unction of the Spirit of God. I want you to say that with me. I have an anointing, and I have an unction of the Spirit. And you know what you've been appointed and anointed and unctioned to do. Mark chapter 16, verse 17 says, and I speak this over you today, that you will do the works of God, that you will cast out devils, that you will speak with new tongues, that you will lay hands on the sick, and if you encounter any deadly serpent or anything else, it won't harm you. If you drink any deadly poison, it won't have any effect on you because you are a believer, and God is going to use you, and you're going to go forth, and God is going to confirm his word through you. I speak that over you in the name of Jesus. And I release anointing over you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I impart to you breath of God. I speak over you. I release you to go and to do the works of God. Make your life count for Him. Make it count. You've got to decide. You've got to decide. What are you going to do? Do you want God's spirit? Do you want to trust him? Do you want to be filled with the spirit of God? 
so that you can do the works of God. You can't do it in your flesh. You need Him. And before you can lay hands on the sick, before you can cast out devils, you got to be filled with the Spirit of God. How God anointed Jesus, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. And God is with you through his spirit, by his anointing. There are too many of you here this morning. I could, I could go around and lay hands on all of you to take us all day long, but right now you can lift your hands to God and you can receive from him what he has for you. Receive it from the Father. Don't be afraid of the Spirit of God. Don't be afraid of the things of the Spirit. If it is in the Word of God, receive it by faith in Jesus' name. In my name, they shall speak with new tongues. They shall glossolalea, tongue speaking, in languages that you and I have not heard or learned, but they are of the Spirit. And in the name of Jesus, In the name of Jesus, receive your prayer language. Receive it now in Jesus' name. Receive it. You have to open up your mouth. Open wide thy mouth and I will fill it, says the Lord. Open wide. Receive. But before you can receive anything from God, if you have filled yourself with the things of this world, if there are things in your life that you need to come clean from, right now is the time to do it. Say, Lord, I confess my sin. I ask you, Lord, to forgive me. Forgive me, Lord. Cleanse me. Cleanse me, Lord. Cleanse my heart, oh God. Cleanse me, Lord. I plead the blood of Jesus over my life, over every area of it. In the name of Jesus, I declare that the things that I've been holding on to, I release them now in the name of Jesus. And Lord, help me. Help me, Father, not to go back to those things. Lord, help me, Father, to stop complaining and stop grumbling and start moan, stop moaning and groaning. And help me, Lord, to speak words of faith and affirmation. Lord, help me, Father, to become a fountain of blessing and not cursing. Lord, help me. And Lord, let me be an anointing. Lord, let me touch someone who needs healing now in Jesus' name. Help me, Lord God, to release that anointing in the name of Jesus. Help me, Father. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I want, Lord God, to be a conduit that you can flow through. I want to be your hands. I want to be your feet. I want to be an anointing, Lord. I want that, God. Do you really want that? Don't tell me. Tell him. Tell him. Father, I want you. I want your Holy Spirit more than anything. I am willing, Lord, to lay myself upon the altar, Lord. I sacrifice myself before you. Let me be a living sacrifice. Lord, I offer myself up to you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Would you pray that with me? Lord God, in the name of Jesus, I empty myself out. All my selfish desires. I lay everything before you, Lord. 
most of all myself. I declare, Lord God, that I need you. I'm tired of trying to live it without your strength. I receive your Holy Spirit. I receive your anointing, Lord God. And Lord, by faith, I'm going to begin to step out. I'm going to lay hands on the sick and watch them recover. I'm going to continue to build myself up in my most holy faith. Praying in the Holy Ghost. I'm going to depend on you more and on me less because I know that without you, I can do nothing. But with you, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Thank you, Lord, for the unction. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Amen. You've been listening to Destiny City, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. For more information, visit us online at destinycity.org.